Welcome back to the Credentials Buffering Podcast. We've got a two-man pod tonight, myself and Mace. Our topics for tonight will include the possible second round of stimulus checks, as well as the HEROES Act and the CARES Act. So why don't we start off with uh, just a little bit of back we actually looked into with the CARES Act. Mace, do you want to take us off? The CARES Act, it was passed earlier this year, and in it had a $357 billion loan and grant for the Small Business Administration. Expand the unemployment benefits to for for load and gig gig economy workers. It gave 130 billion to the hospitals, 500 billion to corporate America. It gave 25 billion dollars in cash grants. It also gave 150 150 billion dollars to state and local government. So that's where we're sitting at now. And right now they're in talks for the second act for the uh, Heroes Act, and a lot of it is also going to include the 1,200 check per adult and the $500 per dependent also check. And the second round of this is also also going to work on covering the people who weren't covered the first round, which are like the 18 to 24 year old college kids, stuff like that. You know, the immigrants as well. Well, let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the CARES Act okay. and kind of the times we were in there and uh, really maybe some of the problems that can be addressed in this possible second round of checks. So when the CARES Act came about, um, there was a lot of pressure as soon as the words $1,200 stimulus check were muttered. So from that point, there was a ton of pressure on the congressional side to get this passed. Now, not only that, we're looking at a big downturn in the economy due to the coronavirus. So the NASDAQ had dropped down quite a bit, as well as the S&P 500. So this was also really looked at as a way to jumpstart the economy for a lot of people um, who were maybe having trouble paying their rent, or it was at least shrouded in that kind of context. People having trouble paying their rent, not being able to work, buy groceries, things of that nature. So let's start a little bit with the stipulations for the CARES Act. So when the CARES Act was, um, the stipulations at least for the stimulus checks, where you had to be, um, you couldn't be a dependent. If you were a dependent, you were not eligible, which for most people is the 18 to 24-year-old range, uh, for most college students at least. So you're a dependent, uh, you know, if you file your tax return under your parents, which most college students do because they don't make most of the money themselves. So right off the bat, you see kind of a, um, a big problem there uh, that's really come to light in the last few months. Now, another problem is the Paycheck Protection Program or Paycheck Protection Act or aspect of it, which guarantees uh, $600 a week of unemployment um, benefits to these people, um, you know, who got laid off. Now, at this point, that's really been taken advantage of. And one of the big problems that this is set to address is it's more lucrative for quite a few people to uh, stay on that unemployment and just cash in on the $600 a week than it would be for them to actually work. Now, uh, that's a big thing, or that's been a big issue, and that is set to expire on July 31st. So everybody's really looking for a solution um, as soon as that runs out. So Mace, what are, uh, what are your kind of thoughts on the problems or the issues from that first round, the CARES Act, and passed in late March? The thing with that is, it's the fact that it had so much, so much pressure from all sides that need to get done. Yeah, it really did. That because because of all this pressure, there were a lot of areas where it couldn't, it didn't have the time to get the necessary refinement that a proper bill would have got. Like 
they're, I'm gonna read off some some of the spending they put in this thing. They put yeah, 20, of course. They put twenty five million dollars to the Kennedy Arts Center. Twenty five million dollars. Yeah, we have to remember there's a lot of pressure on this, so there's a lot of horse trading going on to get this passed. Yes. The Kennedy Kennedy Center is definitely probably the beacon of the horse trading that went on there. You're totally right. Go yes. on. And then you have the seventy five million dollars to the National Endowment of the Arts. Come on. And then you have eighty eight million dollars to the Peace Corps. So we're flint. What does this have to do with the average American worker who was put out due to coronavirus? This has nothing to do with them. This is purely serving special interest, or they're just trying to cram whatever they want into the bill. Well, yeah, let's look at it. How long did it take for that actually to get passed? A week, maybe longer than that, it once may- it was on the Senate floor, because uh, there was so much, or after it had left the Senate floor, because there was so much that. They wanted to get crammed in this bill. The Democrats wanted to get crammed in this bill because they knew this was the perfect opportunity. And there was so much pressure nationally that they knew. Um, I think there was a ton of money that went to Planned Parenthood as well. I don't have that exact figure in front of me, but I believe that was one of the other horse trading options on that bill. So there were there were a few problems right off the bat. One of them was the horse trading. A lot of the they were also worried that a lot of the spending, uh, which was uh, you know, took place through the Federal Reserve, went to the corporations and kind of lined the pockets of uh, those bigger corporations more than it helped out small businesses. So that was another large item to address in the CARES Act. I mean, they gave so I, they gave five hundred billion dollars to corporate America. They bailed mm-hmm. out all. They bailed out a bunch of airlines, gave them plenty of money. But they yep. did. They did have a provision that said uh, it banned stock buybacks for the uh, for the loans. Now I don't know how mm-hmm. e- how easy you can actually trace that, but because how are you supposed to know if all oh, all this money came in? You don't know if they just have that in their reserves and then they did the stock buybacks. You have no idea of tracing. So for all we know, Delta Airlines could have just said, "And eh, we'll just buy stocks." We don't yeah. know. <laughs> you can't track that. I mean, you can track if they bought stocks, but you don't know if they bought stocks with the loan money. Yeah, yeah, very true. Well. As far as the CARES Act is concerned, uh, pretty much every and I mean, you got to realize too, a lot of people getting this money, um, you know, it was intended as a relief effort for people um, uh, paying their rent and buying groceries. But a lot of it really goes directly back into the economy for most people. Because, uh, and I mean, you got to think of a lot of people that are really looking for, um, I don't want to say handouts here, but if you get a handout from the federal government, a lot of times that isn't going to uh, just the necessities. A lot of people, you know, if they want something new or something a little better, that's what they're going to buy with the money. So there are quite a few people that, you know, were able to make ends meet with this, but it was still relatively a small amount. Yeah. And it took so long to actually get processed and sent out. That was another uh, big failure that a lot of people look at with it. With most people, um, you have the option to uh, get direct deposit. But most people, or quite a few people, got the actual checks mailed to them, which takes God knows how long. Very long. <laughs> but with all this running out, the federal government's looking for another solution to kind of bump the economy up. So let's look at the Heroes Act, Mace. If you want to talk through that one a little bit. So the Heroes Act, like I said earlier, it's basically a steroid version of the CARES Act. It's now it's three trillion dollars in, in relief, and mm-hmm. a lot of this will. You still get the twelve, the standard twelve hundred dollars. I saw some places where they said you could get up to two thousand dollars. I couldn't verify that at all, but I know you you get at least that twelve hundred dollars, and you get the five hundred dependent. But this one, you have the more. You have the um, 
You have the immigrants who would get their, their check retroactively. You have the college dependents. You still have the corporate bailouts. You still have all that stuff. It's just it's more money into more places, really. So let's talk about this, too. Um, differing from the CARES Act, this bill was originated in the House. Yeah. As kind of the de Democrats' answer to uh, the CARES Act, where you know the Republicans are looked at very favorably, favorably right now for the CARES Act, because you know it's it's a government writing you a check, and yes. they kind of spearheaded the whole process. And the Democrats, oh, excuse me, looked like the ones that were holding it up the whole time. So this is kind of the Democrats' answers. And you're right; they're looking at about three trillion dollars. And while it does address some of the problems, um, it's still highly expected not to pass in the Senate. Uh, Mitch McConnell has pointed out, the leader of the Senate, that he's look, or majority leader of the Senate, he's looking at about one trillion dollars um, for a bailout or for a stem, set of round of stimulus checks. So it's largely thought that this isn't going to pass in the Senate. So the next question is really what we're looking at after that. So Donald Trump has gone on and said that he supports another round of stimulus checks. And the Democrats, I believe, um, I think there's varying reports, but I believe it was around $1,200 again, um, if I'm not mistaken. Now, Donald Trump, he didn't quote any specific numbers, although he did say he'd like uh, the stimulus to be quite a bit larger than the actual uh, Democrats plan stimulus. So that's kind of where we stand right now. Uh, now, Secretary Mnuchin, I believe, actually just announced today uh, they are going to pursue another round of stimulus checks, and they're currently in talks with Leader McConnell on what this is going to look like. We need – it depends how long we do it because I think a problem is it's going to be so rushed out because we have a problem with if we continue to do – Let's say we do the six hundred dollars stimulus check. You gotta understand that that's more of an incentive to stay unemployed than to actually work. If it you're is. not working, so that's a problem. But then you have the one hand where if we don't pay them this six hundred, a whole lot of people, their rent's just gonna keep piling up and up. We can say we give them the six hundred dollars, but the pro the problem is there's more incentive to not work than to work from this check. But at the same time, if we don't give them any money. They're, they'll get either evicted when the moratorium lifts or we'll just have more outcry because people won't have money. So as far as it goes, I guess you could do – I wouldn't say keep up the eviction the eviction moratorium and pl plug more money into it because my biggest fear is whenever we snap back and that eviction moratorium gets lifted, all these people are going to have months of back rent due and they will not, yeah. be, they will not be able to afford it and then that will cause another housing crisis. I don't think we want another 2008 again. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, a couple of the issues and then kind of a few things that are being addressed on that big cut down from $3 trillion to $1 trillion. So a study by the Federal Reserve of this year stated that 40% of households making less than 40000 a year have suffered at least um, one job loss, uh, if not two, since the coronavirus began. So another thing that Mitch McConnell is looking at to cut that spending down is um, to change the qualifications. So the qualifications for the CARES Act, uh, if I'm not mistaken, were, let's see, any single parent household making under, it's like, what was it? If you make, if it's between about $70,000, you get the full check, and then from seventy to about $98,000. It sold, starts to phase out. Yeah, and then once you hit 98000 as a single person, you don't get anything. 
Yeah, and I believe uh, joint households were 150. So yeah, it must have been 75,000. So let's look at kind of what they're what Mitch McConnell is talking about for a little more direct relief to those in need is making the cutoff less than $40,000. So that's a big bump right there, uh, or a big detraction right there from the original 75,000. So another thing they're looking at is more than $1,200. So that could also be possible. That wouldn't cut the price down, but with the majority, uh, you know, going to those people under $40,000 for a single person household, that would definitely be a large change. Um, and Trump has stated multiple times that he wants a bigger relief or a bigger check for these people. So let's look at a timeline at least. Uh, Secretary Mnuchin and Trump on a few interviews, I believe two weeks ago or a week ago, late July, uh, President Trump announced that they'd hopefully be having this discussion and have those um, have it decided on uh, in the next couple weeks. So right now uh, they're going to be going back into session on – July 20th. So that's the next time this could really be brought up. So they're hoping to have that brought up, everything figured out, taken care of. They go into session, have this passed, and hopefully have checks out to those households um, August to early September. If we cut, if we bring the list down to that forty thousand dollar mark, and let's say we up the check to fifteen hundred per adult, is it still going to be that five hundred dollars per um, dependent or the child? How is that going to factor into this new system? Yeah, most likely. So another thing they're talking about is the college students. Um, so, you know, college students were ultimately left out of the last round of the CARES Act. So they're really talking about how to try and get um, get some help to, or aid to these college students. And one of the discussions is anyone who's a recipient of the Pell Grant would qualify for that stimulus check, even if they are dependent. I think it depends on the situation because if the, if the child can go live back with their parents, then – I guess they could just be claimed as a dependent and then the parent could get it. But then under this new system, if we cut, if we get that cut off at $40,000, a whole lot of these parents won't receive the uh, dependent pay. Mm-hmm. So I think a situation like that, well, obviously if you acquire, if you can get the Pell Grant, you're like lower in the economic system, I'm pretty sure. Yes. So I guess that wouldn't be the, too much of a bad idea. I would just say it depends how much we give the student in this scenario. Because mm-hmm. likely they're already back with the parents. So, I mean, if you want to give them something like maybe, let's say we give them, oh, I mean, you could just give them what the adult gets, $1,200. Well, how would you classify that? Because right now dependents aren't eligible for that, which makes makes a lot of sense, yeah. you know, if, um, if you know, you're not the one, um, you know, paying your own taxes on there if you're dependent on the tax return. Yeah. So, I mean, another thought would be uh, increasing the dependent pay uh, for adults or, you know, just kind of trying to change that age status. Um, it, it's a difficult it's a difficult uh, financial uh, predicament to be in with the dependents and the college age students who really probably need it, but they're not eligible. It's just a very difficult predicament with the way that the, um, that taxes are structured right yeah. now. And it's tough to get direct relief to those students. Yeah, here's a problem: is that if we claim this, if we claim the students as a dependent upon the parent, and then the parent makes more than that cutoff weight, that means the child doesn't get anything, and the parent doesn't get anything. Mm-hmm. Versus, yeah, correct. Versus, if we were to separate it and just say, okay, the parent, if you make below, if it doesn't matter what you make, because this is their own person, eighteen to twenty-four. What if those college kids already belong to these rich families already? Then you're just giving free money away to people who really don't need it. 
Yeah. So you would have to so, do a whole lot of background checking, which I don't think we have the time to really do. Yeah, that. which would be difficult to do, difficult to organize. So you're just kind of saying on the same on the same spectrum, you know, if if you are a dependent and a college student, you know, what your parents, if they don't qualify for it, you should be fine for it um, financially, anyways. You know, without the without receiving check. it. But I mean that that would just be such a hard thing to do because you would have to go through the tax returns and finding everything. And as a Kurt, there's too much pressure on them to get some out quick, or at least yeah, relatively Yeah, that's quick. why the Pell Grant oh. recipient is a pretty easy route. And I think um, one that should be included, if you're a recipient of the Pell Grant, um, I think it's pretty safe to assume that you should be able to qualify for some of those stimulus checks. You think that'd be the easier way to do it? Uh, I think that, that, I mean, that's still a smaller portion of who would really probably need it if you're sending it out for those college students. Yeah. But you know the recipients in the Pell Grants are definite, where some of the other ones, you know, may be kind of riding the line. I agree. I I see the Pell Grant point because the Pell Grant automatically sets you up because you already know these kids are in less than um, the best circumstances financially. It's just yeah. going gonna, it's, it's to be those students who are on the brink of it who are going to be the people who miss out on it. I don't know how you would classify the brink of that exactly. Exactly, and that's what's difficult. It's hard to really access file on, files on a lot of these students because they're filing those dependent tax returns with their parents. Yes. So that's why it's so hard to get it out to them in the first place. Yes. I, I just hope that the second time we do this, we don't have all this discretionary spending on just stupid stuff. Well, uh, that's another thing to look at because we remember all the pressure from the first round in the CARES Act. There was so much pressure to get something passed that it really seemed like they would have taken anything or yes. done anything or given funds to things that you know probably don't need funds, but they wanted included on the bill so the Democrats can go to their constituents and say, hey, yeah, look, we weren't the ones that introduced the $1,500 stimulus check, and we're not really the backbone behind it. But, you know, what we did, we gave, you know, half a million dollars or we gave $10 million to the Kennedy Foundation and Planned Parenthood and the other social programs, you know, that the Democrats, you know, particularly back. But I think if we're going to do a second round of stimulus, no, I want to know, this is going to be interesting. The second round of stimulus checks, when they give that money to the state and local government, I wonder how much is going to go to the police. That I'm actually interested in. Like if they give it to New York. In which Bill de Blasio said he was going to cut a million dollars from the police at New York. I want to see how that's going to factor into it. Well, I really don't think those programs will qualify. Um, I really don't think they would have qualified under the CARES Act either. You remember we had a lot of fallout from uh, quite a few of these states whose books have been in the red for quite a long time. Long time. And then as soon as the stimulus check money starts going out and other programs, uh, you know, they're asking for bailouts from the federal government. Uh, well, here's another thing I, I, I want to hear your take on. Early when the uh, CARES Act was starting to roll out, I remember Mr. McConnell saying this at a press conference, is that we had to think about how this is going to affect our long-term debt. Because we just added, if we institute the HEROES Act in its present form, we'll ha- we will have added $5 trillion to our debt and spent less than about six months. Yeah. So we So we got, I mean, I'm not saying that we should just solely think about the debt issue here, but I'm just saying we need to keep, we need to be cognizant of it before we just keep ramping this up and then we got a bigger interest payment to make and it just gets bigger and bigger because we won't have the money to pay for it. Yeah, well, that's going to be something interesting to look at. You know, a lot of people run as fiscal conservatives, but, you know, right now we're looking at an interesting and uh, definitely 
a particularly interesting time right now with the elections coming up in November, uh, you know, most most of those people right in the middle make their decisions kind of last minute um, viewing, I guess, you know, uh, whatever the party has more to offer, however they feel um, in the last month or two. Yeah. So Trump giving out another round of stimulus checks is a big deal. And it, it definitely could influence a lot of moderates and a lot of people in the middle. While that's not of a traditional conservative mood, and I don't necessarily support it, we are in very dire times uh, economically right now. Obviously, ordinarily, we wouldn't like, you know, giving all these bailouts, all this extra stuff, running up the debt. But when the situation calls for it, you have to act. I'd rather act. I'd rather act than not act. I think we just need to be cognizant of it. And I do like, if we'll trim that down from through from uh, three trillion to one trillion. Obviously, we're still adding a lot of debt, but at least we won't add five trillion to it. And a lot of this, I feel like, is really set uh, kind of poised to reopen the economy. Um, you know, we've had a lot of trouble, um, and I mean, people or states are closing down, which um, you know, a big claim by the left uh, media mob too has been that um, the mob or the the rioting hasn't increased the coronavirus cases, and it's been these. Um, these states that have opened up prematurely, but you know, Texas opened up uh, two, three months ago, and right now we're just seeing that spike after the right. That's, and, what, that's uh, it's that's pretty something. similar with quite a the, quite a few of the other states as yes, well. I don't get this. Just thinking, oh, we did all this rioting, but it's not the rioting fault. Those people look like sardines on the news. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, you think, and you think people on the beach, fresh air. And they're at least two or three feet apart, and you think it's the beachgoers, and not these people packed like sardines in the inner city? I mean, I'll say the beachgoers, they probably got some people. Well, it's going to be interesting to see, too, because uh, I've listened to a few scientists on the topic. I can't quote them verbatim. <laughs> but what they have said is that the virus is going to continue to change. And most of the time, when these viruses morph and they change, as they constantly do, as they get passed on and passed on, uh, for the most part, uh, they transform into a less deadly virus because it's easier for them to continue to be passed on. So the viruses that don't kill are the ones that get passed on more easily and don't kill quickly. So, you know, ultimately, I think what we're going to need to look at here is deaths. Yes. Not, not infections, not cases, not active cases, but deaths. So we have all this, all this rioting, all this looting, all this going on. And then all of a sudden there's a big jump. So you can blame it on whatever you want, but say, you know, we still have a major amount of cases here, but let's see what the deaths are in two weeks. Have the, de have the death rates increased, um, you know, in, in step with the number of cases that we're looking at, or, you know, has it stayed relatively the same? The death rates surprisingly low. I, I think it's less than maybe it's 1%. It's less than that. It's yeah. quite a bit less, I believe. But, I but I'm I'm interested to see if we see a forty percent jump in cases, uh -oh. active cases, or we seen a forty percent jump in deaths. And I think that's really going to be the bottom line. Yes, I agree. I don't think we and, should be looking at uh, cases. I think what really matters is deaths and hospital hospitalizations. And and people say too, uh, you know, we'll just wait until the vaccine comes out, uh, like that's a safeguard. But you can't do that. a lot of people that are leading the field in these topics too, uh, these vaccines don't protect you fully. Um, most of the time, vaccinations are you know fifty to sixty percent. Um, so you know that's not really a cure all. Well, here's well here's another question for you. This isn't really this. 
it's more pertaining to a COVID. Do you think it would be smart if we did something like the Sweden model where we just try to get herd immunity? Or do you think what we did was sufficient? No, I don't think we should have closed at all. So, like, I can see why people freak out all, all these cases. But, I mean, it has less than about – it's killed less than 2%. And that's 2%. I'm just saying that as exaggeration. I don't know the number of times. I believe it's 005 so it's like, it doesn't, it's the kill rate, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the only problem I see from is just the hospitalizations where we overwhelm the healthcare workers. That's the only and thing we that, should be paying attention to, really. That was the big worrying factor on why we closed was overwhelming hospitals. You know, the slow the curve yeah. was uh, so we could give healthcare workers, you know, kind of the time so hospitals wouldn't be flooded in a fashion like that. But, you know, looking at it three months later, it's it's not killing everybody, and everybody isn't dying from it. There are people that have, but it's still an extremely, extremely low number. And it's just the uh, the annuity or, you know, the nuance of the virus that a lot of people are scared of. Yes. And you have it beaten into your brain 24 hours a day from, you know, every, every social media news outlet. Um, you're going to be afraid of it. I th- but that also goes back to something like that it's like when you see it so you would think the more you see it the more uh, desensitized you get to it because it's yeah. constantly in our face every day you'd think but these are very extreme positions to take on it as well true so it's not like we have more cases it's like you know when the media goes at it they're like everybody's dying so it's a lot harder for people to process in that aspect at some point people are going to realize it's not the end of uh, end of mankind the the my problem is just if if people think that we can just stay in this mode of just we're gonna stay inside and we're gonna keep giving the stimulus check out, the problem with that is just in the long term our debt's gonna be our debt will balloon, and we'll have a poor economy, and eventually I'm sure people they're just gonna get tired of being. Yeah, well, uh, there's one thing we have to remember too with everybody staying locked up is you know right before the the uh, George Floyd riots really kicked off. A lot of people were just fed up with being locked up anymore. And they were kind of, that's when they kind of started becoming immune to what was being pushed down their throats and from a lot of different directions. You remember a lot of states were opening back up. Yes. Um, Missouri, I believe was one of the, one of the states to open back up and they've had absolutely almost no spike at all. So, but that's not a highly publicized state and that's the way people want it to stay. No, they like talking about New York because it's huge and all the hospitalizations, all that. Yeah, or even Texas. You know, Texas is a pretty, um, pretty large magnet for a lot of these issues. Yeah, and uh, Texas closed back down. I saw that. You see that? So, you see that thing the uh, Austin City Council put? It's like a two thousand dollar fine if you don't wear a mask in public. You see that? Yeah, that's not surprising. But I mean, that's I think a it's crazy gonna right there, man. I gotta be honest with you. I think it's going to end up being one of those issues where in the short term, short term, it seems pretty dire right here. But when we look back in a few years, it's not going to be as big of a deal as far as death rates as anybody predicted. You know, when uh, when scientists and teachers are talking about this in five, ten years, they're going to look back at the actual data and it's not going to be extreme at all. Yeah, but that's also given the fact that we'll have hindsight. So yeah, I'll, I'll of course. But, you know, that's that's really no, definitely not what we have right now. <laughs> People just need to calm down. It's not the end of the world. We going if we can get through the Great Depression, World War II. I'm sure we can get through this. Yeah. Well, this is just a time where social media and the news really does dominate a uh, personal agenda. Oh yes. And clear back in 2016, but we remember 2016 compared to you know 2000, 
uh, let's say 2018 and how much more prevalent was uh, kind of that liberal media news mob than it was then. They obviously were one-sided back then, but nothing compared to what we're seeing now. If you really think about it, there's only really like one big time conservative, and that's really Fox. Every, MSNBC, yeah, and it's been that way, yeah. but I mean, at least when people tried to you know slide a different candidate or someone from an opposing party, they weren't as obvious about it, where now there's really no integrity at all. It's everything goes. Right now, it just feels like it's it's so painfully partisan that you can mm-hmm. wa- you could watch a show, one of these new shows, for about five, ten minutes. You say, "I know who they want to win," because they'll probably tell yeah, you who they want to win. Of course. We're thinking about the second round of stimulus check. When do you think we're going to see it? Do you think it's going to be um, the same as last time, where there's a lot of horse trading, or do you think it's going to be more organized? First question probably be out by August. Secondly, there's go- you know there's going to be so much horse trading in there. Let's not kid ourselves. Three, as far as organization goes, I think it will be it'll be more organized in the first bill, given that they'll have more time to reflect on it. But I'm sure they'll still have those those little miscellaneous fundings. What are your thoughts about it? Um, I have some, kind of similar thoughts. Um, you know, a lot of people are wanting as soon as that second round of stimulus check kind of hits the air as a possibility. There's going to be a ton of pressure, which there already is, you know, to pass it. Trump's calling out in the open, and he said, "We're for it." We're, we're in talks for it. Let's do it. Uh, and then, you know, Secretary Mnuchin as well has come out and said, we support it. Let's do it. We're looking forward to it. So the second round, what I think we're going to see is some sort of funding for college students, which was a big focal point for the first one and a lot of people that missed out on that. So I'm not sure what that really is going to take the form of. Uh, Pell Grants is definitely a good way to do it. I think they should do something a little more inclusive uh, but, you know, that's not a necessity. So yeah. we'll see what that looks like. Um, as far as who would qualify, I like the dropping it down to 40000 I think that's a good idea. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, when this actually gets moved around, it's tough for the Democrats to argue for the support specifically for economic classes. Um, you know, Republicans say $40,000. It's tough for Democrats to argue because they're supposed to be the party of the people and say, no, we want it back up to 75000 so I think there's going to be some pet projects in there, like you said. Um, I like the 40000 I hope they stick with it. If they do a higher stimulus check, um, I'd, I'd support that, mainly because I'd be receiving it. But <laughs> something the Democrats did want to push was $2,000 monthly payments in the next round of stimulus checks compared to a, just one more direct payment. I don't know about that. And I believe Trump has said before, if they do another stimulus round of stimulus checks, it will be the last one. So it would make sense for him to kind of go big on that. Uh, We'll see what it looks like. I like the $1 trillion if they're going to do it. Um, $3 trillion seems extremely excessive, but we'll see what it looks like in the Senate and the House. I think there's going to be so much pressure outside on Congress to get the the bill passed once it's passed in the Senate um, that they're really not going to have much of a choice. So they're going to try and throw a few things in there, but we'll see what actually sticks. Go off back of that as well. I assume also in the second bill they'll probably do something like either eviction moratorium or they'll just do a pause and all rents do. Yeah, Could be definitely about quite that. possible. Yes, that's have to. Or else when this is over, it's going to be a housing crisis again. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Make sure to like and subscribe our page, uh, Credentials Buffering. We'll see you next week.